Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What if there are things that you can learn that change the outcome of your life? Is everybody in my life passing me by? Did I think I was going to be way further along at this point in my life than I am? What is it about you that sets you apart from the rest of the herd? And if you want to be a winner, you're going to have to do some things that you might not have been willing to do before. And it's not all about money. Now, here's the first thing. This is number one. Write this one down. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming but who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself for a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. That's a quote you may have heard before from Theodore Roosevelt. And I want it to have a new meaning for you because today we're going to be talking about a playbook for success in your life. I'm not a real philosophical kind of guy. I'm an action-oriented kind of guy. And I'm going to be talking to you about how to get the most success you can possibly get from wherever you're starting in your life. And if you listen, if you pay attention, I promise you, today will be life-changing. We'll start in 40 seconds. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. 
We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. Okay, we're back. And before we ever started, I was reading something to you from Theodore Roosevelt. And the center of that, the guts of that, was the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly. Now, he goes on to say it doesn't belong to the critic. Anybody can sit in the cheap seats and take your inventory and criticize you. And I promise there are people in your life who do that. Maybe it's your mother-in-law. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your sister, your wife, your husband. There's probably somebody in your life who's really happy to sit back and take your inventory and tell you how you do things wrong in your life. Those are the people that you need to put on the outbound train to somewhere way away from where you are because they don't help. What I want to talk to you about today is what you can do to maximize your position in life. And I don't care whether you're 18, 20, 48, 50, 70. It makes no difference to me. If you're in the game, you want to do as well as you can do. And here's what I want you to know. Right now, you have a playbook. Everybody has a playbook. The NFL just started this last weekend. So everybody's walking around learning their playbook for the season. They've all got plays. The offense has plays. The defense has plays. They've got a playbook. They're told to hold on to that playbook. And if they lose that playbook, it's their ass. Believe you me. Playbooks are important. And you've got one. Whether you realize it or not, you have a playbook. You have a way of being in this world. You have an attitude of approach. You have standards, what you're willing to accept from yourself, what you're not willing to accept from yourself. But you have a playbook, and you run it every day. You get up, and you run your plays. You've got certain plays you run. It might be how you approach your job. It might be how you approach your relationships. It might be how you approach your feelings about yourself. It might be how you approach your goals. But you have a playbook. But I'll bet if I said, okay, Get out a pen, get out a pad, hit pause on this podcast, and start writing down your plays. I bet it wouldn't be long before you hit play again, because we don't ever think about that. And I'm going to tell you why. There is a real hole in our system. We go to school, and they teach us how to read and write and add and subtract. They teach us about geology and biology. They teach us all kinds of subject matters, but they don't teach us how to live. They don't teach you how to deal with stress. They don't teach you how to deal with depression if it comes. They don't teach you how to handle it when you lose a loved one, somebody you care about dies. They don't teach you how to negotiate. They don't teach you how to interview. They don't teach you how to get what you want. I went to public schools all the way through, but they never taught me about goal setting. They never taught me any of that. So then we go out there in the world, and okay, maybe we learned how to do algebra or geometry, but nobody told us how to manage our lives. They didn't teach us any of those things. That's why I think there's a big void 
And that's why living by design number five is so critical. And if you haven't listened to the first four, I suggest you do. You don't need to necessarily listen to them before you listen to number five, but this one is designed to give you a playbook. You think, well, wait a minute, you just told me I had a playbook. Yeah, I did, but you don't know what it is. And I want you to have a playbook that you learn and that you are familiar with. Now, what if by us having these conversations, you can learn some strategies, you can learn some behaviors, you can learn some steps that substantially change your life? What if by listening to these conversations that we're having here, you can pick up one or two things every time you listen to this that change the way you interact with the world and it impacts your station in life? It causes you to have more money. It causes you to have more happiness. It causes you to have more peace. It causes you to have a closer walk with God. It causes you to have whatever it is that you value in this life, would you not want that? For God's sakes, it's free. I'm sitting here telling you, you can have a better life, however you define better life, if you will just be who you are and reach for what you want and do it on purpose. What if there are things that you can learn that change the outcome of your life. Now think about it. We're here right now in September. The rest of this year is going to go by whether you're doing something about improving your life or whether you're not. September's going to slide by. October's going to slide by. You're going to be getting Halloween candy. Then it's going to be Thanksgiving. Then it's going to be time for Christmas. Then you're going to be sitting there making these idiotic New Year's resolutions like we do every year. That time's going to go by whether you're doing something about your life or whether you're not. I'm just saying, let's do something about it. Don't let this fall slide by like all the rest of them. Let's use these four months so you gain momentum, knowledge, know-how. So when you make New Year's resolutions this January, they're real. Here's the first thing I want you to know. I wrote a book back in 1998. I've talked about this in one of the Living by Designs before, but I wrote a book that had the 10 laws of life in it. Life law number one was you either get it or you don't. One of the earlier chapters, I talked about how I came about that life. You can listen to that if you want to, but think about what I just said. You either get it or you don't. The question you should be asking yourself is what is it? You either get it or you don't. So you should be asking yourself, well, what's it? What's the it you want me to get? Well, the it's different for everybody. We'll talk about that as we go along, but let's just use a generic it right now. Don't you know people that are just out to lunch? I mean, whatever it is you're doing, they just don't get it. I mean, maybe you're going on a retreat at your job, and there's one person that's just always kind of out of sync. They just don't get it. Whatever it is you're doing, maybe it's team building or something. They just don't get it. Maybe you're going to have people over for dinner, and there's one guy that's just 
kind of standing over by himself. He just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get that this is just a time to socialize. Maybe you've got somebody there from work, and they just want to talk about work all the time. They don't get that, wait a minute, this is not work time. Or you've got people that are at work, and all they want to do is talk about the weekend or football. They don't get that, no, this is work time. There are people that just don't get it. And it doesn't have to do with intelligence. It has to do with tuning in and reading the room, reading your life, figuring out what's going on with you and what you want, looking around and asking yourself, is everybody in my life passing me by? Did I think I was going to be way further along at this point in my life than I am? If the answer to that is yes, what is it I'm not getting? What is it I'm kidding myself about? You know, before I started doing Dr. Phil, and I'm not talking about myself in the third person, I'm talking about Dr. Phil as an entity on television. Dr. Phil is a platform where we deliver common sense, usable information to people's homes every day for free. Before I did that, I had a trial science firm. And we lived in trial. You know, lawyers will get a case and they may spend five years getting it ready. And then right before trial, it settles. If a lawyer takes a big case to verdict five or 10 times in their entire career, that's a lot because big cases don't come along that often. And those that go all the way to verdict are probably not one in 10. They all settle or they get thrown out on motions in some way. The ones that actually make it all the way to verdict are pretty rare. But that's all we did. We did those that made it all the way to verdict. And we trained witnesses to tell the truth effectively. And we prepared all the documents and the graphics. And we chose the jury. We worked out trial strategy. We did everything. And we had an extremely high rate of success. We had a very high rate of predicting the outcome, much higher than our rate of success, but we could predict the outcome with extremely high success. But we also had a real high rate of winning our cases. And I'll tell you why. We out-prepared the other side. We just out-prepared them. We didn't necessarily have better lawyers. We didn't necessarily have better facts. We didn't necessarily have better clients. We didn't necessarily have better computers. We didn't necessarily have prettier graphics or better witnesses, we just out-prepared the other side. We knew their case better than they knew it. And we mock-tried these things time and time again, and we would put on their case. I would take our best lawyer and have him or her try the other side's case against the rest of our team. And we found things where it got to the time if we got to trial, it was anticlimactic because they didn't put on near as good a show as we did. They didn't put on near as tough a case as we put on. If we could defeat our version of their case, defeating their version of their case was a walk in the park. We weren't afraid to look at the bad facts. We did not live in denial, and we out-prepared the other side. We had every fact, every graphic, every contingency dealt with. And that took a lot of time, took a lot of money, took a lot of effort, but we out-prepared the other side. 
because I didn't want to be among those who didn't get it, and I don't want you to be among those who don't get it, which means you've got to out-prepare the rest of the world. If you want to be the best at what you do, if you want to be the most successful at what you do, you just have to out-prepare the other side. You have to out-hustle the other people. You have to outwork the other people. You have to out-prepare the other people. And if you're not willing to do that, then you need to quit listening to this right now and turn on some music, put your car on cruise, and slide on home. Because winners do things losers don't want to do. And if you want to be a winner, you're going to have to do some things that you might not have been willing to do before. And it's not all about money. It's whatever you decide success is going to be. So the question is, do you have everything in your life that you want? And if you don't, then you have to decide what area of your life there's something missing. Do you want more money? And when I say what I'm getting ready to say, I can already hear you rolling your eyes saying, yeah, that's easy for you to say because you have it. Because I'm going to say money is the cheapest commodity I have. So you can say, oh, yeah, yeah. It's easy for you to say because you have a lot of money. Well, no, it's not because I have a lot of money. It's that I can replace money. I can't replace my health. I can't replace my relationship with my two boys. I can't replace my relationship with my wife. I can't replace those things. So they're not cheap commodities. If I run out of money, I've learned across my life I can make more money. That's why I say it's the cheapest commodity I have because it's the one thing I can replace. If I get sick, I can't necessarily replace my health. But if I run out of money, I can just go get another job. I can go work harder. I can live cheaper. I can replace that. So if it's more money you want, okay, just decide, you know, what's the realistic next level. The number one fear that people have in life is rejection. You might say, I was going to finish that sentence with failure. It's the same thing. If you fail, then the world has rejected what you have to offer, right? Let's say you open a business, you open a bicycle shop, and nobody buys your bicycles. Nobody brings their bicycles to you to get repaired. Well, then you've been rejected. They don't want what you have to offer. If I do a television show and nobody watches, then they've rejected me. They've said, I don't care what you have to say. I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to watch you. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care. Then they've rejected me and I failed. There's a lot of different words you can put in this place. But what people have told me is the biggest fear they have is that they get out of their comfort zone, which is where you are now, even though it may feel uncomfortable, and you reach for the next level. Maybe it's the next social rung where you are in with a group of people you wish you were in with. Or maybe it's the next promotion where you get a better job or it's more money or a nicer house or a nicer car. Or maybe you want to be closer to your higher being that I call God and you just never make that connection. So you reach for something and you don't get it. That's what people tell me is their biggest fear, is that they admit they want more than they have, and then they don't get it. They say that's their biggest fear. And you know what their second biggest fear is? That they get it, because then they have to keep it. They get to a higher level, now they got to stay there. But that's tough. If you want to do well, you've got to take some risk. And so I'm asking you, 
Do you have everything you want? And if you don't, then you need to make a list. I mean, actually write it down and don't just put it on your computer. You need to write it on a piece of paper and you need to carry it in your purse or your wallet or a billfold or whatever you call what you carry stuff in so you can refer to it on a regular basis. It can be your North Star, your compass. What is it you want more of that you don't have because I'm going to talk to you about the playbook for getting it. Before you can get it, you need to know what it is, what you want more of, what you want different. So let's talk about the playbook for success. I'm going to talk about the first thing in it. I said you either get it or you don't. That's just kind of an overarching backdrop to everything I'm going to tell you. You need to tune in and decide you're going to be someone that is situationally aware. You pay attention. You read the room. You see how people react to you. All the things that have to do with reading how things are going. That's just your backdrop. Now, here's the first thing. This is number one. Write this one down. You must have a defined image and never ever break character. Let me say that again. You must have a defined image and never, ever break character. And what do I mean by breaking character? Let's say you have a defined image and your defined image is that you are a serious player. You are somebody that can be counted on. You're reliable. You are the go-to person And you want people to take you seriously, respect your intellect, respect your work ethic, whatever. If that's who you are, and that's the image you want to project, then you cannot go home on Saturday and get falling down, stumbling drunk, and go on Facebook and do a bunch of stupid videos that make you look like a jackass. And then go back to work Monday and expect everybody to take you serious in your image. You do not break character. Now, this character can have a broad range to the character. That doesn't mean you're in work mode all the time. This character has a social channel. This character has a romantic channel. This character has a career and work channel. This character has a spiritual channel. This character has a lot of different lanes, a lot of different categories, but they have to be consistent. You can't be a serious brain surgeon and a falling down drunken clown at the same time. It's just incongruent. So you have to decide what is the image that I want to project. And this is not a phony image. I'm not saying role play. For your image to work, it has to be authentic. You just have to decide what it is, and then you have to commit to it and own it. You can't be middle ground, halfway one way and halfway another. You cannot ride two horses with one ass. you got to decide who you are, and you go with that. That's the horse you're going to ride all the way to the finish line. Therefore... That's a very serious decision. When you decide, what is the image I'm going to project to the world? What is it I'm going to put out there that I want people to respond to? Because how you engage the world, 
what kind of image you project to the world, I believe strongly in the principle of reciprocity. We get back from the universe what we put out to the universe. If we are negative, if we are pessimistic, if we're just a Debbie Downer, Donnie Downer, whatever, we're just always looking for the worst and believing that there's a snake under every rock and nothing is ever going to work, then that's what you're going to get back from the universe. If you know, you're like a duck, if it doesn't rain, you'll walk. You just kind of bob along in the river. It's wherever it goes, that's where you go. Then that's what you're going to get back from the universe. They just say, yeah, yeah, he, she, they, they'll deal whatever we give them. It doesn't matter. You know, they say, well, what about Bob over there? You know, what about Karen over there? Ah, don't worry about them. They're whatever. They're good with whatever. Well, we're going to have to cut people's salaries around here. Uh, what are Bob and Karen going to think about? Ah, they don't care. They won't make any noise. They'll do whatever. There ain't been a day in my life anybody's ever said, uh, what about Phil? And anybody said, oh, he's good with whatever. You don't even need to talk to him. Not one day in my life has anybody rational <laughs> ever said that. They've all said, well, we better go talk to him and see what he thinks, because he's very likely going to have an opinion about this one way or the other. They just knew I have strong beliefs. And one of the things that have been consistent with my image is I hate people that find what's wrong with a situation and don't keep digging to come up with an alternative that's correct. Anybody can criticize. Anybody can say no. When I was at Courtroom Sciences, we had very few rules that everybody followed in dealing with clients, and one of them was we never say no. No was not in our vocabulary. If you were a client at Courtroom Sciences, you never heard the word no come out of our lips. Now, you might ask something we couldn't do, but you didn't hear us say no. What you heard was, let me tell you what we can do. Now, were we doing what they wanted? No, it might have been impossible to do, but that's not what we said. Our philosophy was, say, hey, can we redo these 400 charts on boards in the next hour? Of course not, you idiot. But that's not what we said. We didn't say no. We said, let me tell you what we can do. You can use 10 of those before the end of trial today. We'll have those 10 done and 10 on standby and work on the others overnight. Let me tell you what we can do. People want to hear what you can do. And one of my philosophies was, tell them what you can do, not what you can't do. So you got to decide what your image is. And the image has to be authentic. Now, this covers a lot of things. It covers your physical presentation. It covers your verbal presentation. It covers your value system. It covers your philosophy of interacting with the world. I'm not body shaming you here. If you're out of shape, I mean, you're really out of shape, your clothes don't look good on you, whether you like it or whether you don't, people will look at you and say, that person doesn't take care of themselves. They're disheveled. And that will be something that makes the hill you climb steeper. If you use poor grammar, it is a badge of ignorance. Now you can say, well, now look, we can't all go to college. Grammar was in the fifth grade. And if you use bad grammar, then go to the library and check out a grammar book. It's a fifth grade book. If you say, oh, I seen him coming. We was gonna. Let me tell you, 
that is a badge of ignorance. It shows poorly on who you are at any level of interaction, whether it's social or professional or whatever. So you have to do an inventory and say, what are things I can change? How's your hygiene? If you smell like a goat, that's bad, okay? If you don't brush your teeth a couple of times a day, if you don't shower every day, if you don't wear clean clothes every day, if you don't groom yourself well, then you're putting out an image that says, I don't really care about myself. So you have to make a decision to do the best you can with what you have. I read an article one time that said 78% of men would rather amputate a body part than be bald. Well, you ain't cutting nothing off of me. I'm bald. Look, I work with what I got. I made it a trademark. There aren't very many people out here in Hollywood that look like me. So I made it a trademark. I'm recognizable. Everybody looks like Johnny Depp. Nobody looks like Dr. Phil. So at least I'm distinctive. So I'm saying, decide an image, and the image needs to be authentic to who you are. And don't be pseudo-intellectual. Don't try to use words that you aren't comfortable with. Don't try to be somebody you're not. That never, ever works. It has to be authentic to who you are. But it needs to be the best version of you that you can be. And once you decide who that is, what that is, in every category, then you need to be the best version of that you can possibly be. And don't break character ever. You don't be the problem solver. You don't be the person that is the go-to resource at work and then go out and get fallen down drunk with your coworkers after work. You're breaking character, and they will lose respect for you. You cannot define yourself one way and then do a 180-degree swing and expect to be successful in love, business, society, or anywhere else. It just doesn't work that way. And I don't know where you are in your life right now, but if it's not working for you, I've always said, if you're in a hole, stop digging. If you've worked yourself into a hole with what you've been doing, you can improve your situation if you just stop digging. I mean, maybe you're rude. Maybe you're a jerk. Maybe it's just something about you that just grates on people. You just get in a hole with people. Stop digging a hole. If you've got a hole in a boat, you don't drain the water out of the boat by putting more holes in the boat to drain the water. It doesn't work that way. If something in your life is not working, you've got to change it. I've always said character is easier kept than regained. If you do things that compromise your character, you lie, you cheat, you steal, you take credit for things you don't really deserve. It's at the cost of your character. It's so much easier to keep your character than to get it back once you lose it. So you just got to decide, you know what? Integrity means doing the right thing when nobody's watching and nobody's listening, except for you. And then you don't ever have to worry or wonder 
whether something's going to blow back on you or not. So the number one thing in your playbook is you've got to find out what this image is that you're going to project into this world. It has to be authentic to who you are. And in order to do it and do it well, you have to identify your strengths. You know, people always talk about overcoming weaknesses. Yeah, I just said, if you got something that's not working, then quit doing it. You know, Lassie could figure that out. But let's talk about your strengths. I play tennis every day, and I've got a pretty good backhand. I spend time every day, every week, working on my backhand. It's probably my best shot, but I spend time working on it. I practice my strengths. If you have something you're good at, make it better. Make it a weapon. Make it something that you can really rely on. So maybe you're good with people. Maybe you're good at problem recognition. Maybe you're good at problem solving. Maybe you're good at motivating people. Maybe you're good at solving things, calming people down. Maybe you have irate customers that come in to work or whatever, and you can step up and calm the situation down. Then you need to really hone that. Identify your strengths and know what they are so you can play to them. And this leads to number two in your playbook. You must create a perception of uniqueness. You must create a perception of uniqueness. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean you do not want to be a face in the crowd. You don't want to be a robot. You don't want to be an interchangeable person in a relationship, at your job, anywhere. If you're just a random person that, yes, this person, this person can be here, get another person to be here, it doesn't make much difference. There are a lot of jobs like that, you know, jobs that like anybody can do. It doesn't matter. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not for you. If you want to improve your life, you have to create a perception of uniqueness. And I'm saying perception of uniqueness because it doesn't do any good to be unique if people don't perceive that you're unique. You've got to make sure they recognize your uniqueness. You may have some unique skill, but if nobody knows it but you, what good is it? So you have to decide unique. What is it about you? You don't want to just be in the middle of the herd. You don't want to blend into the background. If you want to be a winner, you need to find, embrace, and project those things that set you apart from the herd, set you apart from everybody else. Uniqueness is valuable in so many different respects. And I'm one of those people that believes in a defined product. A defined product. You cannot be all things to all people. I think you have to be a defined product. People need to know what they get when they get you. I have subscribed to this philosophy my entire life, including right now. When people say, Dr. Phil, when I say it to you right now, Dr. Phil, just think about what that calls to mind. Now, in that you're listening to this, I hope it's something positive, or maybe you tune in because you love to hate me. That's okay, because I don't have a need to be loved by strangers. 
But when you think of Dr. Phil, I'll bet you don't confuse me with anybody else. Now, there are other psychologists out there. There are other shrinks out there. There are other mental health professionals out there. But I'll bet you don't confuse me with any of them. I'll guarantee you there are psychologists in America that have forgotten more psychology than I'll ever know. But they forgot about learning how to communicate it. I've got some of them on my advisory board because I'll call them up. It'll be something really complex or whatever. And I think, okay, I want to make sure I've got this right. I want to make sure I've got the cutting edge information. And these men and women are the editors for the peer review journals. So I know they've got access to research that won't be published for another 18 months. So I don't give cutting edge information. I give ahead of cutting edge information. What research has shown that you can get from Dr. Phil that you won't see in the journals for another year and a half. So I'm talking about OCD. Believe me, I've got up-to-the-minute information because I talk to people that know more about it than I do. There are some people that spend their entire career on that one disorder. I don't, but I know who does. And so I bring those experts in. Now, when I say you're not going to confuse me with anybody else, There are people out there like John Gray. John Gray wrote Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus or whatever the title of it was. I know John, very nice guy, a lot of wisdom, but you're not going to confuse the two of us because he's going to pat your hand and tell you it's going to be okay and why, and he's very effective at what he does. But we're very different. We're very different. You're not going to confuse me with him. You're not going to confuse him with me. I believe in a defined product. Look, you may think my defined product is I'm a barbarian. You may think I'm the second coming of common sense. And you're probably both a little bit right. But you don't confuse me. And that's what I want you to decide. What is it about you that's unique? What is it about you that sets you apart from the rest of the herd? And here's the thing. Think about your life as a movie, not as a snapshot, because a snapshot can be any day, any moment, any time. Like we get a snapshot of you when you've got the flu and think, man, this old boy's looked pretty rough. (laughs) This old gal's seen better days because we catch you at your worst time. You just thrown your guts up and you feel like hell. We just get a snapshot of you and could way underestimate you. So you got to think of your life as a movie, not as a still frame. And movies have scripts. They have beginnings, they have middles, they have ends. And your life is that way. Your life is a process. It has a beginning and a middle and an end. So let's talk about the script of your life. Where are you in it right now? If you're listening to this, it's not in the beginning. I'm guessing you're not on the way to seventh grade. Unless your mom's driving you and you're having to listen to this on the way. And for that, I apologize. So you're probably at least in your 20s, maybe your 30s or 40s. So you're into the movie. Let's talk about the script from here forward. And here's the main thing I want to ask you. Are you starring in your own life? Are you the star in your life? Because if you don't star in your own life, who is? If you're not starring in your own life, For God's sakes, who is? 
Now, I don't care if you are a plumber or a butcher or a baker or a candlestick maker or a janitor or a car mechanic or an accountant, a school teacher. It doesn't matter what you do. That's not who you are. That's what you do. You have to star in your own life. And in every movie, there's somebody in the lead, right? There's somebody that's in the lead. When they run the promos, there's somebody in those promos. And then there's a supporting cast. And you have to star in your own life. So act like it by embracing your authentic self. Treat yourself like a star. Deal with yourself like you're a unique individual. Because I promise you, when I meet people, I think one thing. They know themselves better than I do. How do they feel about themselves? Now, I figure I might know them a little bit or maybe a lot, but I don't know them as well as they know themselves. And if they treat themselves like crap, I figure, well, they know something I don't. They must not be worthy of being treated better because they know themselves better than I do, so I have to defer. They have a low self-image, poor self-esteem. I figure, who better than they to know what they deserve? Why would I question that? So where are you in the movie of your life? Are you the star? And are you embracing that image, that authentic self? How unique are you? And let me say this. If you don't feel unique, then maybe it's time to reinvent yourself. And you can do that without abandoning who you are because we all have a range of traits, skills, abilities, and the capability to move within that range. Reinvention may mean changing everything from your look to what you do, where you do it, or the way you engage people. It may mean changing your focus to the goals you seek to attain. It may mean taking those strengths I was talking about and really building on those. In one of the earlier Living by Designs, I talked about putting things on project status. Not just having an awareness, but putting things on project status. It's like, you can be aware that the garage needs painting, but it ain't going to get painted until you put it on project status, until you say, this weekend, we're painting the damn garage. That means no later than Thursday, We're going by Home Depot or Walmart, and we're going to get however much paint we need, and we're going to get drop cloths and brushes and rollers and whatever all we need, and we're going to have it there because when we get home Friday, we're going to paint the damn garage. It's going to take a couple of days because we've got to let it dry and put on coats or whatever, but we're going to paint it. That's our project this weekend. So no, we're not going to go play tennis. No, we're not going to the movies. No, we're not going to the zoo. We're painting the garage. That's our project for this weekend. That's when the garage will get painted and not before. That's when you will become unique and not before. When you put it on project status, that's when you will become unique. That's when you will star in your own life and not before. And like I say, maybe that involves reinventing yourself. We're in season 18 right now of Dr. Phil, if you can imagine that. And every season, when we wrap production, everybody takes two or three weeks and they kind of decompress and go do other things. But then we start meeting, not intensively at first, but we start meeting 
with sole purpose of reinventing ourselves for the next year. What can we do to tell our stories better? What can we do to get our message across better? What do we need to attack that we haven't attacked full on before? This summer, for example, we cannot avoid the fact that the opioid crisis has reached epidemic proportions. And we are the sole platform that devotes all 60 minutes of the hour to mental health. We absolutely cannot delve into that. How do we do that effectively? How do we get people's attention? How do we educate without seeming pedantic about it? How do we deal with this in ways that we can motivate people for prevention and intervention? That was one of the things that we talked about. We're reinventing how we're approaching those stories, how we're dealing with this epidemic. And it involves taking it beyond our platform. Robin and I testified before a bipartisan committee on Capitol Hill about this last year. We're going to do some more of that this year. They've invited us back to talk about enabling some legislation for this. So we're reinventing ourselves to be relevant to what's going on. How about you? What can you take on? What do you need to do that's different? If you do the same thing over and over and over, then you get comfortable with it. It may be producing some results for you, but is it producing all the results you want? Let's talk about number three. You must play big, not just long. Now, this is a big one. Some people, whether it's at work, making a presentation, a guest on television, a date with somebody they want to form a relationship with, they confuse quantity with quality. Shallow brooks are noisy. Still water runs deep. I've had so many experts on Dr. Phil And I can tell you, I've never heard anybody the day after one of them was on say, wow, that expert on Dr. Phil yesterday, did you hear how long she talked? Never heard anybody say that. But I've sure heard people say, that expert on Dr. Phil yesterday, did you hear what she said? You got to play big, not long. You don't want anything you say to get lost in a sea of minutiae. Let everybody else fight for floor time. Let everybody else fight for the microphone in the meeting. Let everybody else stick their hand up 10 different times. When you speak, have something to say. Speak with gravity. Make a pronouncement. Play big. Play dramatic take a position. It's just not enough to keep your head down, work hard, put in your time, and expect a reward at the end, because that end may never come. It used to be different, but we're a highly transient society now. And if you want to get ahead in this world, if you want to be noticed by somebody you want a relationship with, 
if you want to get a promotion at work, if you want to get a sale, if you're in sales, you need to rise above the noise. What have we said already? We've said, number one, you've got to define your image. We've said, number two, you have to be perceived as unique. And number three, you've got to play big. You've got to do something that pops, that pops you from the rest of the crowd. You don't want to be part of the wallpaper. You want to be part of the figure that pops out of the background. You know, current events have shown us that long-term employees are the first to go when there's a downturn. Now, you'd think it would be the other way around, right? Because they've been loyal and they've been there. But you know what? They're the highest paid. So if you're going to cut 50 employees, are you going to cut the 50 that are absorbing most of the payroll, or are you going to cut the 50 that are the cheapest? Well, they're going to lose a lot of wisdom when they cut those that have been there a long time, but they're just trying to make their number. So they're going to come in and cut those high-priced employees and replace them with new blood. So if you're just somebody that just rank and file, you just keep your head down, tail up, working hard, you just rank and file, you're going to file right out the door. you got to be unique and you got to play big. So when they start thinning the herd, they go, oh, wait a minute. Not her, not him. You can take those other 44 over there, but you better cut this one out of the herd because this one is unique. This one has really distinguished themselves. And you do that by playing big. You do that by taking positions. You do that by coming up with solutions. You do that by creating memorable moments. I would a whole lot rather create a memorable minute and 18 seconds than bore an audience for 20 minutes. When it's your turn to be in the spotlight, whether it's home, whether it's at work, whether it's in a social setting, you want to establish yourself in a strong way. You want to play it big. You need to be the one who makes an impression. When they leave, go home, go to lunch, You want them buzzing about what you said, about what you did, about how you looked. You want to make an impression. You have to stand out in a positive, constructive way and decide how you're going to do that before you get there. This means taking the initiative. I saw a situation not too long ago right on the Paramount lot where two people came in that were being added to a production staff. And there were two desks that were going to be occupied by these two production staff. One of them faced the door of the executive producer. The other one faced a wall. And the HR person was there, and I just happened to be there getting ready to do something else. And the HR person said, Y'all can pick a desk. Does either one of you have a preference? And one of them stepped up and said, yeah, I'll take this one. You know which one she took? She took the one that faced the executive producer's door because every day that executive producer walks out the door, you know who they're going to look at? They're going to look at her. And if she's smart, she'll wear something red somewhere on her wardrobe every day. She'll pop And she'll have a big smile, and she'll have something that makes her play big. And when that executive producer comes out frenzied, 
afraid, looking for something, and particularly if it's not her job, she'll say, you know what? That's not my job, but if you'll give me 60 seconds, I'll find it for you. She will make herself indispensable. That other woman, she's going to be over there counting mortar joints, staring at the wall, because this person had a philosophy, assert myself. When I get an opportunity to take the initiative, I'm going to take it. I'm going to play big. I'm going to position myself in a way that works. So one was prepared. The other one wasn't. That one is starring in her own life. Sometimes it can be just that simple. Okay, I see by the clock on the wall that I need to stop. I don't want to play long. I want to play big. I've given you three things for your playbook. I have a total of 16. I want you to think about these three. Let me give you a little preview of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about learning to claim and accept praise. We're going to talk about learning to become essential. We're going to talk about knowing what your real currency is. We're going to talk about something called Goals Acquisition Training, G-A-T, how to set a goal and achieve it realistically, how to build a timeline and an action plan. We're going to work on this playbook, and you are going to become equipped to get what you go after. And once you get your mind around this, once you get your hands around this, think what an edge you have over the people sitting next to you, around you, that haven't been in on this conversation. They come to work just like they have every day for the last five or 10 years. They walk down the mall just like they have before. I want you to have an edge. I want you to live on purpose. So we've covered three. There are 16, and some of those have subparts. Now, what I would like for you to do between now and when we talk next is really work on this image. Who do you want to project to be? What are your strengths? How can you be unique? How can you star in your own life? Ask people. Hey, what do you think my biggest strength is? Ask 10 people, what do you think I'm best at? What do you think my biggest strength is? Now they go, what are you pulling for compliments? As a matter of fact, yes, I am. I want to know what you think my strengths are. Why are you asking that? Does it matter? What do you think are my strengths? I'm making a list. I'm checking it twice. Write your own things down. Look back. See what's worked for you across time. Really build out your list of strengths. Build out your image. Because I want you to change enough that people are going to notice there's something different about him. There's something different about her. They're carrying themselves different. I don't know. They just seem more together. So I want you to really pay attention to that. Work on this image. Work on your strengths. Work on how to define your uniqueness because that's going to be the core of where we go. I want to make this work to the point that you are going to be so glad you listened that you're going to tell everybody you care about. I'm Dr. Phil. We'll talk again.